really just my goal has always been be the best that I can be um, and put as much time and effort and energy as I can into the sport and just really see what my body's capable of. Um, and I think that is always, has always been the goal and this is still the goal. Um, I just want to keep going. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never my been best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform. That Gosh, man, that was, was a moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. The journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Kelly. On this week's show, I'm joined by Macy Wynn, an 81 kilo weightlifter, as well as medical student. Macy is fresh off winning the 2022 national championships, but probably not where she expected to be at this point in her weightlifting journey. So on her third attempt clean and jerk, she had a really bad leg injury. When I reached out to have her on the podcast, she was actually still in the hospital, so I felt kind of bad about that. But Macy is an absolute trooper. She's already back to training a little bit, which is really good to hear. And uh, that's just what I heard on the podcast. You know, it's do what you can at all times. It's never stop training. And uh, she talked about some injuries that she's faced in her career. And she just hasn't stopped training. And the progress has shown as uh, she, you know, just won nationals. And I'm sure once she heals up from this injury, she's going to be back on the national stage in no time. So I really hope you guys enjoy this one, and let's send it there now. All right, we should be up. I'm sorry about this. This is like so – it feels so unprofessional. Don't. Don't. It, it really doesn't. It is – it's one of those – I've been on – because I've been in virtual PhD for, you know, two years now. So I'm, I'm used to this literally every day of my life like you good you good <laughs> just trying to run a whole meeting and you're like i'm sorry <laughs> but no it is just the way of the world right now but that's okay it's better than nothing is your so we're like jumping around so much but is your whole um your whole program like online or do you get because i feel like it's got to be hard to do med school from a computer yes, yes. uh thankfully my first two years were mostly in person. Um, so my first two years in med school were mostly in person because it was pre-pandemic. And then uh, the pandemic kind of hit right as I was finishing my second year and transitioning to my PhD portion. So a PhD, I'm doing it in epidemiology, which is all data science on my computer. Uh, so that has been manageable doing all of that from home. Uh, it's not ideal because I still haven't met a lot of faculty and students in the department and can kind of definitely feel isolating and kind of like, you know, you don't have as much support as you might need during a PhD. Uh, but I think it's worked out perfectly in terms of, I'm very glad it wasn't trying to be in clinic and missing out on clinical experiences um, during that time. I was just kind of, you know, able to do everything that I needed to do from home. So it could be worse. Uh, it's an ideal, but you know, everyone went through the same situation. So um, I'm grateful for how it turned out. That's awesome. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I was um, reading some of your Instagram posts and stuff like to go to school for eight years. Is that eight years on top of four years of undergrad? Sure is. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is eight years of just graduate school. Uh, so it's two years of med school, four years or more of PhD, depending on what you do. And then another two years of med school at the end. 
uh, and then you go to residency and still have to do all of that plus fellowships. So it is possibly the longest road you can choose in terms of schooling. Uh, but I have enjoyed most of it um, and it's going by very fast. So uh, I'm okay with it most of the time. <laughs> Did you always want to go into that field? Like was med school kind of always on your radar even when you were in college, like undergrad? Yeah, med school definitely was. I was pre-med kind of just from the get-go. I actually didn't decide to do the PhD portion until my first year of medical school. So I was accepted to medical school just for the normal four-year MD program. Uh, and that was back, I was accepted back in 2017 uh, or 18. Uh, and then I decided to do add on the whole other four or five years of PhD my first year of med school because I, one, uh, didn't know I could do a PhD in the field that I'm currently doing it in. I uh, didn't know that was an option. And so that's something that I was interested in. It's, uh, you know, more population health based versus being in a lab. Uh, and then two, it gave me more time to wait. So uh, it was kind of a, a, a two for one kind of deal. So um, it's worked out really well, I think. Yeah, and I got to imagine it's probably been tough managing your time as a weightlifter. So can you kind of break down that balance of, you know, is there more seasons in like this is when I really need to go hard in school and this is when I'm really going to go hard training wise? Is that tough to balance? Definitely. Um, I would say most of the time it's pretty manageable. Like it's obviously not um, I like I I cannot devote a hundred percent of myself to either one thing at any given time. Cause I'm always doing both. Uh, but I've, I've found that it's honestly kind of made me both a better student and a weightlifter. Cause it really makes me prioritize my time and really makes me take everything, you know, that much more seriously. Uh, and so thankfully most of the time, like school's really bad. Weightlifting's been okay. Like it's been like just after a competition or something like that. Um, this past spring was probably the worst. Um, I was just getting hammered with school and work and then training for nationals at the same time. And so that was probably the worst it's ever gotten. Um, and I was fairly miserable, but at the same time, you just kind of tell yourself that it's only temporary and like, yes, it sucks, but it's going to have a big payoff at the end. Um, and then you can rest later type of thing. Uh, so thankfully it's been mostly manageable, definitely hard, but like, you know, nothing more than just like having a full-time job on top of trying to lift. Um, yeah, there's just, there's a couple tricky parts, but um, me and my coach handle it pretty well, I would say. Do you have to scale back like the training volume at certain points? Like when it does get really hectic, is that something you're communicating? Hey, I can't handle a bunch of volume right now. We need to like cruise control basically. Uh, I would say... I don't usually hold back on my training. What usually happens is we'll just kind of stick to the plan. Um, she'll write me a program as if I had nothing else to do. Um, and what'll usually happen is if I'm really, really stressed in school, um, that means one, I'm stressed, two, I'm not sleeping as well. And then that just shows in my training. And so if I don't look great in training, then we'll definitely kind of like, you know, scale some stuff down. Like mostly just like scale some exercises down, not necessarily like the amount of time we're putting in but just kind of really being aware that we're at a higher risk of injury when I'm really stressed during school and just kind of really paying attention to how my body feels from day to day in training. Um, and just kind of going off of that because sometimes I'm really stressed in school, but some, for some reason I'm still performing really well in the gym. 
uh, and then sometimes not. So we just really take it day by day and just try to make the best out of every situation. Are you using anything to track stress or sleep or anything like that? Or it's just all how you feel? I used to. I used to try things like, um, you know, like the wearable type of trackers and stuff like that to track, like, you know, your heart rate and like your sleep. And I've just kind of found that really the best tool you have is just your awareness of your own body. Like there's no tool, there's no device that can tell you like how your, you know, 70% lift feels. Like you know how it's supposed to feel, you know what feels good, you don't, you know what don't feels good. And you know if you should push it that day in training or not. So I definitely have just kind of abandoned everything and just kind of, you know, tried to get the best sleep I can um, because a lot of that is sometimes not in my control um and then just kind of seeing how i feel day by day and pushing it if i can and then you know my coach can barely she's really good about seeing what i feel like better than i am about communicating it so um she'll usually be the one to step in and be like i think you can pull back um so yeah so you're validating everything i've said on the podcast before but um take this from a medical student who you know a lot smarter than I am and I I did the whoop as well for a long time and like it just really got into the the stress management and like all these things and you realize that life is just stressful sometimes and you can't yeah. always you know your sleep score is not going to be great and it might not be great for six months like do you want to do you want to look at this and be like oh I'm in the red every single day because this is what life is I think it can be damaging to like your mental state, especially because like sometimes, you know, life just happens and you just kind of have to show up anyways. Like if you are, you know, if your device says you're not feeling great, are you actually not feeling great? And are you going to have a bad day in the gym? There's no way to know that until you actually, you know, go and try it out. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that just kind of listening to your body is just what any really good athlete can do. Um, you become very aware of your body the more and more you spend time with it in the gym. Yeah. Is there any part of you that feels like medical school or like doing the whole, you know, just not having as much time to develop as training as some of your other competitors, maybe they're doing this a full time. Do you ever feel like that's a hindrance or kind of a what if, or it's just, this is what you're doing and you're not going to change it anyway. So there's kind of yeah. no room to think about stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Um, I feel like at the beginning of my weightlifting journey, I was kind of worried that it would be a hindrance um, because you do see, you know, these really amazing athletes devoting all of their time to it. Um, however, I think there is a component of like work smarter, not harder. Um, and me and my coach have just really, um, you know, learned a lot about each other over the years. And then she's learned about a lot, a lot about me and how I train best and perform best. Um, and it works really well with school most of the time. Like I said, like sometimes it can be tricky. So training for nationals was actually quite, you know, difficult because of school. Um, but most of the time I really, I really think that, um, it helps me so much mentally to have something else to focus on other than just lifting. Um, and I think that's a really big gift that I am able to take advantage of quite often. Um, and then also I treat every single training day that I get every training hour as just like, you know, a free, amazing part of my day and not like work. Um, and so I think that also helps as well. And I've seen um, amazing progress in my weightlifting during some of the hardest points in, in grad school. So I feel like I 
was fearful it would be a hindrance, but I really don't think it is most of the time. Um, yeah, and so I think it's kind of one of those things that I don't, I don't think I would have known until I tried it. Um, and I think it takes a lot of years of trying to figure out how to time manage and prioritize different things. But um, I think that anyone can do it. It just takes a lot of practice. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right that there's something to be said for not the the barbell the weight on the barbell isn't the only thing that matters to you if like if this is your job and you're having a really bad training cycle it's really hard to not let that seep into your relationships and how you're doing at work but if like if that's the only thing it's like really negative then that transfers over into everything but if it's like oh this is only weightlifting like this is fun i get to enjoy this and then i get to i have other responsibilities yeah no definitely um and I would say that I probably do prioritize weightlifting most of the time other than grad school, which I feel like a lot of people would think I'm crazy to do so because obviously, you know, med school, grad school is very hard and very, you know, takes a lot out of you. But um, I have no problem being an average student if that means that I can chase streams outside of my medical career as well at the same time. Um, so I think a lot of people kind of get trapped in that concept that you have to be the best performing student all the time and you know maybe to get into med school that might be true but once you're there uh you know it's really more about just like how much are you learning like trying to become the best provider you can be in the future um and then the you know numbers on paper don't really matter as much um so i've really um kind of tried to take advantage of all of my time um and learn as much as i can in school but then also you know make sure to detach myself from school when i don't have to be there, don't have to be putting in those extra hours just to kind of get like, you know, maybe 10% higher on an exam that necessarily won't make me a better physician. So, um, yeah. Have you seen other people who, like some of your classmates burn out who don't have anything outside of it and who are, are those people who are in the library all the time and that 10 percentage point really does matter to them? Absolutely. I honestly would say that was probably most of them. Uh, because, I mean, it, it people tell you for years and years, like, even as a pre-med, like, physicians will be like, are you sure you want to go to med school? Like, it, you know, this job, like, takes over your life. It's really hard. And so people go in kind of thinking, this is all I'll be doing for the next four or so years. Um, and they kind of go in with that mindset. And I think that they kind of just let that control them in thinking that they have to prove themselves, you know, in certain ways that aren't really true. And I feel like because I had weightlifting, I was able to kind of really see the bigger picture and be like, I'm here to learn for me and I'm here to learn for my future patients. Um, and that's all that matters to me. I don't really care about scores on tests unless it's like an important test that's gonna help me get into a residency program, that's different. But um, I'm really here for myself. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I definitely wasn't trying to prove myself in any way, shape or form during those, those first years and was trying to figure out that balance as best I could. It was hard. Because coming from a pre-med where you're used to being top of the class 4.0, you know, like, you know, the best student anyone's ever seen to kind of becoming like somewhat of an average in a pool of really brilliant people, but, you know, very average, you know, student, it's a, it's a, it's a rough transition, but I think it's worth it when you get to enjoy life outside of, you know, outside of medicine. But, and then I, I feel like these tools I'm like learning now will help me in the future, you know, when I'm a doctor. And like, like, you know, creating that work-life balance, um, even when I'm not weightlifting, when I'm doing, when I want to do other things and explore other things. So, yeah, 
That's interesting. That's a really healthy mindset. And I think, I mean, you see, I mean, I see a lot of doctors who are super unhealthy. So it's like, it, like how you have to care about your patients and like, know know as much as you possibly can. But also if you don't put that into practice, like you're not going to be able to be there a hundred percent in, you know, three, five, 10 years down the future, because you're going to have to worry about taking care of your own health at that point. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, um, there's a very, very high burnout rate for doctors. And I think that just is part of, you know, think like people not, you know, being able to create an effective uh, work-life balance um, and really just kind of being tied to the job, which a lot of it is the system, I don't know, not their fault, but um, so things that should be changed in the future. But um, yeah, just, I feel like it's also just a habit that you have to create and something that you have to kind of because no one's going to show up for you except for yourself. People are going to tell you what to do if they can, if they can. Uh, so you really have to you know, learn how to like stick to your guns and, you know, create the job that you want in a way. But, you know, I'm also not a doctor yet, so I can't, you know, I can't say for sure how much harder that will be when, you know, someone's controlling my salary. But, um, I, yeah, I think there are ways, you know, to, to kind of help with that. And also just kind of staying active in general, like, you know, staying physically active in general, obviously is helpful, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so how do you even get into weightlifting in the first place? So, uh, this is one of my favorite stories. Uh, but I, so like a lot of people, I did CrossFit. Uh, I, you know, was an athlete in high school, was, uh, didn't do anything, decided not to do anything in college, but then kind of got bored, started doing CrossFit which I liked and I enjoyed um, just kind of like to stay healthy during college. Uh, and then I learned about weightlifting through them, but I didn't really think much about it until the 2016 Olympic trials were in my hometown. They were in Salt Lake. So I actually went to go watch since, you know, it's just like 10 minutes away from where I lived. And I was like, why not? Um, and I went for, I went for like the full three days. So it was like a couple of days of nationals and, uh, and then the Olympic trials day. And I was just completely taken over. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm going to do this one day. Uh, and so I basically just decided then that I wanted to start weightlifting, but I didn't actually start weightlifting for probably about another year when I graduated from college and was able to move back to Salt Lake, you know, permanently and then found my now coach, Debbie, um, at Praxis. And I've been weightlifting ever since. That's interesting. You don't hear many people who show up to a weightlifting meet as a spectator and be like, oh, this is inter interesting. That's always something like I know USA Weightlifting is trying to get more spectators involved, but but I feel like no one shows up to a weightlifting meet who doesn't really know what's going on. It's not like a basketball game where you can like not really like basketball, but it's cool and you, you kind of know what's going on. Weightlifting, you're like, wait, why is this person not coming out? Like they keep announcing them. The weight keeps changing. It's just, it's really hard to follow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I just, yeah, there's just something about the lifts. I just love them. And I was, and, you know, obviously the, you know, people who were competing at the Olympic trials were very good weightlifters as well. So just watching them lift was just amazing. And um, it was very special to watch the Olympic team, you know, be announced and, uh, yeah, it was just, I was, it's very surreal. And then I just, yeah, I couldn't imagine myself doing anything else. So, uh, yeah, that's how it all started. So what were your numbers like when you first got into weightlifting? Like to, oh. 
<laughs> they were not good. Um, cause I, I went to a smaller CrossFit gym. It was like a very, you know, small town, rural CrossFit gym where most of the people were, you know, older. It was more centered around like fitness versus, uh, you know, strength training. So I think, I think I maxed out my snatch and my clean and jerk, um, once in my CrossFit days, like kind of towards the end, just to see how much I could do. And I think it was around like a 60 kilo snatch um, and an 80 clean, uh, an 80 kilo clean and jerk, which isn't terrible um, for like not really having been trained in the lifts, but um, my technique was also not great. And my bottom position was like above parallel. <laughs> so um, when I got to Praxis, um, I don't even think Debbie thought anything of me because my lifting wasn't great. Um, I just kind of was any like any a lot of you know people that just kind of want to start but yeah that's kind of yeah I, I think I maxed out once and those were my numbers <laughs> that's all and so like for for people listening you just hit what 108 and 125 126 126 yep wow so 60 80 to 108 <laughs> 126 that's yeah, incredible a little <laughs> big jump yeah and that was yeah that was about i've been lifting for about five years now so yeah so kind of walk us through the process because i mean anybody who's who's weight lifted for any amount of time you know that it's not hey you start at 60 80 and you just gradually progress five years later you're here what uh, would have been some of the the tough parts of the journey um well, one of the biggest tough parts was that I got injured. Um, I was out for about six months with, for, with a back injury. I, uh, ruptured it. I re-ruptured a disc in my lower back. Uh, that was an old injury from when I was a gymnast when I was younger. Uh, so it was, it was pretty bad. Um, and I couldn't even pick up the barbell off of the ground for a while. So I was out for probably about six months. Um, right, bef right before then, like right before I got injured, I showed up at a university nationals meet, tried to break the university American record snatch at 101, uh, missed it twice. Uh, and then I was out for, you know, about six months and then, you know, it took a, probably about another six months to work back up to 90, 95% of my old best. Um, so it was about a, a good year before I could start pushing it again. Uh, so I would say that I, my best snatch before then was 99. Um, and then it took me another year <laughs> um, after I was recovered from my injury to get a hundred in my snatch. <laughs> so it was like two full years of injury recovery training to get one kilo on my snatch. I would say that was probably the most frustrating thing. <laughs> um, but then it took less than a year between I hit a hundred between um, from when I hit 108. So, uh, like you said, progress is not linear, but that doesn't mean progress isn't happening even when you don't see it. Um, my clean and jerk, you know, was similar. I think I was stuck around the one tens for a while. And then I went up to one twenty within a matter of months, I went up to one thirty and a few months after that. Um, so yeah, um, I definitely never stopped working even, you know, aside from the few months where I really couldn't move that well because of my back, but, um, yeah. Never stopped training. Always believed that I would see more numbers on the bar in the future. What is, um, like what kept you going during that time? Like to, 
to people, I mean, two years without a PR is like, that's devastating to some people. And I went through the same thing. And, and like, I see you, and we'll get into nationals in a little bit, but I see you training, you know, a week later after you get surgery and you're still doing whatever you can weightlifting wise. And then some people, you know, you hear them, oh, I haven't hit a PR in a month or two weeks. And they're like, oh, this is, this is dumb. I got to move on to something else. Yeah. Uh, I would say my, my back was mentally pretty tough just cause it was one of those injuries where I just really didn't know if I would be able to weightlift again. Um, it's not something that people can tell you or reassure you. Like nobody knows. And like your body is the only thing that can tell you that. Um, cause I, like I said, I couldn't pick up the barbell off of the ground. So it's like, how am I supposed to pick up a hundred kilos ever again? Uh, that just didn't, you know, in my mind, it would just, it definitely mess with it quite a bit. Um, so I would say those first, you know, probably the first like two to four months, I was just kind of, you know, scared and just kind of very unsure about everything. But I think at a point you kind of just decide if you're going to do something or if you're not going to do something. Um, and I was like, is weightlifting this important to me to put in the hours, to put in the money, to rehab my back to where I need it to be? Um, or is it not? Um, and so I did, I spent literally almost every dollar I had at the time rehabbing my back. Um, and every hour I could, I was like researching ways to make it better. Um, after, you know, a period of being kind of like somewhat depressed and stuff. Uh, but I just kind of decided that I wasn't going to stop trying. Um, and then eventually my back did get to the point where I could start training again and where I could start pushing it again. It's still not better. It, I still deal with it probably every single day. Um, but it's not to the point where I don't think I can push my body anymore. It's just something that I have to watch. And also something kind of like we talked about earlier, something that kind of flares up when I'm really stressed. Um, and so that's another reason we kind of have to watch, you know, my training. Um, we just have to watch my back and see how it's responding to everything. Um, but um, that being said, I do think that having that experience, as much as it sucks to have two big injuries kind of somewhat close together, um, I think having that experience is helping my mental game so much this time around. The more the more I talk to like elite high level weightlifters, the more I hear, you know, you kind of expect people to be resilient and to be the highest level. You think the, like they never get injured; they're always pring all the time. And I found it's the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. It's usually the the people at the top yeah. level are experiencing the most amount of adversity and dealing with the worst training cycles and you know, just setback after setback, but they, the difference between the everyday weightlifter and the people winning nationals is the setback is, you know, it's a setback and we just keep training. We keep doing whatever we can. And those people are just doing it longer than anybody else stays in the game. Yeah, for sure. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I, I had uh, Travis Cooper on and I think the first time he competed at nationals was probably 2004, 2006, maybe. And yeah. he just came in second in 2022. Yep. I love, I love him. I love watching him. It's just incredible to see him just still lifting after all of his time and just crushing it always. So, so fun. You brought up the mental game. Um, has that been something like you, you studied or you picked up from your coach? Like where did that kind of fit in the last couple of years? 
I mean, I've done, you know, what a lot of people do, you know, I've, I've listened to the podcast, I've read the books, um, you know, talking to my coach obviously does help a lot, but I do think a lot of it is just experience. Uh, I think putting yourself in situations to train your brain um, is kind of really the only way you can build like that, that resilience mentally. Uh, so, I mean, for example, like, and I feel like it's something that you can like lose too. And so, you know, when, you know, there was like my back injury was pre COVID and then COVID happened. So there's no competition. So my first nationals, you know, in a few years in 2021, um, I kind of showed up, you know, excited because I was doing pretty well in training, but, um, I'd kind of forgotten how to compete. I had forgotten what nationals was like and kind of, you know, just, you know, the, the whole experience kind of freaked me out a little bit. And it definitely showed on my performance on stage. I only made a couple lifts, barely made a total. Um, and it was nowhere near what I was capable of. Um, but I kind of took that as I need more experience. And so I kind of made sure to compete consistently every three or four months after that, just so I was, you know, putting myself in that situation of, you know, putting a lot of pressure on myself and then still trying to lift anyways. Um, so then I lifted a few months later at the AO2 in Albuquerque and went for six for six. Um, so, and then I'm not saying that I'm like the, you know, I'm like the mentally strongest person ever. I'm not, but I think that I'm just really trying to, you know, try different things in my brain to like help me either calm down when I need to, or, you know, get pumped up when I need it. Um, and I think that every athlete is different, um, in terms of what they need, but just practicing what I like, what I need to do for myself to get myself ready to compete the best that I can, um, just through experience. What are some of those things like kind of fill us in on the secrets? Um, let's see. I think one of the most recent ones, I guess is a good one to point out is just, I get very, I get very, very nervous to the point of where I'm like physically ill. Like I will throw up and I will like get really sick to my stomach. Um, but I've kind of just realized that that's just a sign of, you know, me being ready to compete. Like if I was, if I didn't have that adrenaline, I probably wouldn't compete as good as I do. Like I'm the type of person that I can and normally do PR on stage because I can kind of use that adrenaline to my advantage. Um, and so I think a lot of what I've been working on the past few meets has kind of been like, instead of being really upset that I'm so sick and nervous, just kind of treating it as like almost like a blessing or a gift and being like these, these feelings and these emotions and this like, you know, nervous system response is here to help me. Um, and so it's here to help me lift these big weights, um, and just kind of like more treating it like my friend. And I did read that in the book. I can't remember the book off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, I think that has helped me a ton just to kind of like, you know, be nicer to myself. Um, because I, I can't, you know, just demand that my body feel perfect, you know, walking onto the stage every single time, but I can just, you know, be kinder to myself and just realizing that I can do this. You know, maybe it, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't, but, um, just kind of trying to put all of my effort into the barbell versus worrying about anything else. So you throw it before every competition you do? Almost every single one. Yeah. Wow. Just, I get, crazy. Really, I get really sick. Like I just don't feel good. Like my stomach just hurts so bad. Um, and it's nothing like crazy. It's not like something that would like make me dehydrated and then like, you know, cause like a bunch of like disruptions, but I just get really sick. Um, and I get like really shaky, um, and I can't eat that much even after I've been weight cutting, which is frustrating. Uh, 
but um yeah it doesn't it doesn't hurt my performance my mind does you know so i think i've recognized that and just try to like you know calm down and realize is that it's just my body's response to being nervous and that's okay <laughs> yeah i mean that goes back to kind of that inner awareness that we were talking about like the yeah i mean if you think about it especially from a weight cutting perspective i'm sure that's I mean, that's probably the worst thing you cut weight and then you can't eat and your, your stomach's all upset. So, I mean, you can look at that as I'm not going to perform well, or, Hey, this happens every time I know it's going to happen. Like how, how are we going to deal with it the best we possibly can? Exactly. And I do, I do try to like limit how, you know, I try to calm myself down through just like watching like TV shows, like the couple days before, you know, cause like, there's no reason to be super nervous, like leading up. Um, cause there's nothing you can do during those days. Um, but yeah, but the, usually it's like the night before the morning up, I definitely don't feel very well, but it is, it does get better. Like I said, with, you know, more and more experience, like it, you know, calms down and more and more and more, but it's always there. I'm always very shaky. I'm always very, <laughs> very sick to my stomach, but it's just what happens and it's okay. And now I bring, you know, you know, foods that don't upset my stomach and kind of help it as well. So another thing that I've like, you know, that's helped me just kind of recognizing what my body needs and, you know, providing what I can for it in the time. Jeez. I bet, uh, I bet as a coach, that's stressful too. Like, Hey, I don't even know if she knows that I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't think she even thinks I get nervous because <laughs> I doesn't it, like a lot of the times it doesn't seem like it. Um, because it's like, I'll be very nervous and very shaky and then hit a PR on stage. Um, and so in her mind, she's like, you compete better than anyone. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, I feel like that's probably not true, but maybe it is. I don't know. I feel like maybe, you know, because I can harness a lot of that energy into my lift, that is a good thing. And that's what she sees. But I don't think she even knows how nervous I get, but do you do anything particular in training? Like I was, um, when we were at the Arnold, I was watching the 64s and the 71s and what I noticed was, I mean, when Kate and I came out, every single person was recording her lift. And even the, the 64s were the same way when Danielle Gunnan was lifting. And it's just like, you yeah. have all eyes on you. How do you recreate that in training? Is there anything that you do in particular that helps you? I don't think so. However, um, I do train with a team all of the time. And if I'm going for a big lift, like every single person stops to watch me. Um, I don't think that's anything like what it's like competing, you know, on stage, but it also doesn't really bother me. I kind of don't really realize it. I think I'm so focused on what I'm doing that if there's music playing, I will not hear it. Um, I might hear some cheers, but I don't know where they're coming from. I rarely actually see the crowd minus minus this past nationals, but it was in a good way. Um, my family actually was there this past nationals. Like it, I, you know, Las Vegas is close to Utah. So actually everyone drove down, um, and they sat right in front of the stage. And so ever, before every single lift, I could see them cheering me on. And actually that was really great, um, to be able to just kind of see them and smile at them before I lifted. But usually I don't see anyone in the crowd. I don't really recognize anything that's happening besides like me, the barbell and like maybe the judges. <laughs> I mean, that's good. That's what everyone wants to get to that point to where it just is the lift that you do every single day. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I definitely never feel like I do in training. Like, I feel like the adrenaline kind of makes me lose some of like the ability to feel what my body's doing. Um, but I think that kind of comes from, you know, the number of repetitions you put in the gym. It's like, you know how to do it. And you gotta just kind of gotta focus on like a maybe like a couple technical cues, but I never feel on stage like I do in the gym, like as calm and as like grounded. I'm always like, you know, shaking and you know, trying to get my feet flat on the floor, stuff kind of stuff like that, trying to keep myself in the moment, but that rarely happens. I always feel a little different, you know, never, never fully aware of my body and or like what the weight feels like. But I think a lot of people feel like that. Yeah, it's funny though. The best athletes look like every everything they do in training. Like you watch their lifts on Instagram, and then you watch their third attempts. You're like, it's like the same. Yeah, yeah, the exact same, and it always looks like they could do way more. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's probably true. So let's get into nationals. You you mentioned yeah. your family was there, which I'm sure was was good in the beginning, and then uh, <laughs> on clean and jerks might have not been the best to see. But I mean. To be fair, like, yeah, I mean, they were traumatized, but I'm really glad they were there. Oh, my goodness, if they hadn't been, oof, that would have been rough. So you, was 108 a PR on the snatch? It was a PR match. So I'd done 108 at the Arnold as okay. well. Um, but I think, I mean, it looked so similar to the 108. I think it was a little bit better. My first two at snatch attempts were definitely better than my first two I was at the Arnold um but yeah snatches i went three for three i was feeling great um when honestly i again had a terrible training cycle i did not snatch over 103 all training cycle um and i only did it that once i missed almost every snatch over 100 i ever tried during the few months leading up to nationals um and just like the bar was just flying on competition day it was great <laughs> when you went into like into the preparation for nationals are you expecting to win like is that what your focus was like put the numbers on the bar that we need to win um so the goal was to make the world team so we were trying to put ourselves in a, in a, into a position that would get me on the world team which was making at least a 239 total so that was my entire focus and to be fair then i probably would have had to win as well um, and so our first goal was world. And then our second goal was win. Um, because if, you know, if I hadn't won, then that means that because, uh, the first 81 kilo spot Maddie Rogers already has, I don't know if that's the category she will lift in at worlds, but she already has that first spot and only two per weight class can go or qualify. So I would have had to win, um, to get on the world team in that situation as well. So we had, we were, hoping to hit the 239 total with my second attempt and then have the third attempt to win and so that was the plan but um yeah is it a lot of stress going in like when you know you have to hit a certain number i don't think so i think it's kind of nice to just know the numbers that you're going to lift before um and obviously they'll change if like you know you need to win you don't know what number needs to be on the bar but um it's kind of nice just kind of for me, knowing at least some of the plan, like knowing kind of what my warm ups are going to look like, what my last warm up is going to look like, what my first lift on stage is going to be, it kind of just helps me kind of get into that, you know, mental space where I'm like kind of, you know, already kind of know what to expect. So nothing's surprising. Um, 
of course you kind of have to be willing to take anything at any time if you're a weightlifter but um it i think it is nice to know to, to know the numbers that i need to hit um i don't like to be in the dark i i have a very logical <laughs> math brain and i do not like to be in the dark in terms of numbers so yeah so are you talk having a conversation with your coach beforehand a couple days beforehand or on competition day saying hey this is we need 239 get there yeah we basically talk about it the week leading up and then also around the morning of after you know there's been like four days of competition already like three or four days of competition and so things have changed by then so uh yeah we usually just have like a quick little debrief and just kind of talk things over and it doesn't stress me out i just kind of like to know what i don't know what to expect so yeah okay yeah so i mean it seems like you go into it very like you said very logic logical very stoic that hey this is the number i need to hit i'm going to put it on the bar and kind of see what happens exactly yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> so what happened on the third attempt well, let's say, first of all, there's only six lifters in my session. So it was the fastest session I've ever been in in my life. It was, it felt like I was doing CrossFit. I was exhausted. I missed my last warm up and cleaning jerks just because I was so tired. I, I don't like, I don't train with one minute rests. Um, and so I was very fatigued. So I barely made my opener. I'm very happy I made my opener. Um, uh, cause it kind of, you know, just like secured me a total. And then I could just worry about that 131, but then missed the clean on the 131. I think I was just fatigued. Um, and then on the third attempt, I got about 40 seconds rest between my second attempt and my third attempt because my clock was burned. So I had about 40 seconds between two 131 attempts, um, which wasn't ideal, obviously, but you know, uh, again, our goal or my goal was the world team, especially because, you know, I'm, you know, not necessarily in Olympic condition right now, uh, but it was the first qualifier for the Olympics. Um, and so you you always have that in the back of your head. Um, it's also, you know, the world team, it's an amazing competition. So the only thing I was telling myself when I was walking out for that lift is get it over your head and don't let go. <laughs> so um, as you can see, that is what I did. Uh, if I usually if I miss a jerk, it's out front. So I knew that I had to get the bar over my head in order to save it because I had done the same thing. I tried to make a 239 at the Arnold. I missed the jerk out in front. Um, and so obviously, I've also been playing that in my head for four straight months. And so in my head, when I was after I made the clean, which was, you know, a hard clean and I was tired, the only thing in my head was get it over your head, um, like like throw it over your head so it's not in front of you. So I did that. I got it over my head. I locked it out. And I'm not sure if it was my feet or my hips that were slightly off balanced, but the bar kind of started going to the side. But since the bar was directly over top of me, I couldn't really get out of the way. And I ended up falling on my butt. And then, you know, I was on my butt and then I can't like jump out of the way if you're on your butt. So my leg was unfortunately right underneath the barbell plates. Um, and so kind of one of those things where it's like, it's just, it was such a freak accident. It's not something that anyone should ever be worried about happening. Um, like I've, I've missed many jerks in my life and obviously nothing like this has ever happened. Um, but yeah, it happened very fast. I, I wasn't even sure what had happened 
until my family kind of told me I wasn't sure if my leg had twisted and broke or if something had fallen on it and broke because everything kind of happened so fast. I just remember being on the ground, being in a lot of pain, turning around and kind of looking at my leg and being like, oh, that's really broken. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that is what happened. Yeah, because I was watching on the live stream and I couldn't really tell if it was you couldn't tell if the bar landed on you or if you just like your knee kind of kind of buckled when you were trying to recover the jerk. So it was it was very hard to see. And like, obviously, they they don't want to keep replaying it. So. Yeah. So you can see it super clearly if you like watch it specifically, like if you're looking at my leg, you see it. It is just, oh, it's terrible. (laughs) I've only watched it once. Um, And that was just kind of, and that was just for me to kind of understand what had happened. But you like there was some space, you know, between my leg and the, and the floor. Mm -hmm. And when the barbell hit it, you seriously just see my leg go like this, like in a direction it's not supposed to go in. Um, so it just, it just bends. Um, and so it is not, it is not a good video, but you can see it if you slow it down. My family has been sharing it with everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And like you said, it's a freak accident. It's not something like, I mean, sometimes you see at the gym, like people are, have change plates everywhere and the bar bounces weird. It, It wasn't anything like that. It's just something, I mean, it happened. Yep. So I know there was like, like some some Instagram account shared it and there was like a bunch of weird comments on it and people were like that's why you should never try to save a jerk and that's why like you should always practice good technique and it's like yeah that makes sense but that's not what happened <laughs> like this this was like very abnormal circumstances like one I was tired exhausted two I was like so ready to to be injured like I was willing to risk injury for that lift to be on that team um, and unfortunately I did, that did happen. Um, uh, and again, like, it's one of those things where my leg could have also not been in the way, like it just happened to be, it was just very unlucky. So it's, a, it's not something that somebody should be scared about when lifting. It just freak accidents happen in any sport. Uh, and so unfortunately happened to me, but yeah, I was going to ask like if, um, if there was going to be any fear coming back or if it was going to be like a mental block, but it seems like it was just, I mean, it, it, there was really nothing that you could have done differently that would have not put you in that situation. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, obviously some things like just like making sure like I'm balanced on more of my jerks versus like, uh, <clears throat> as like you can see, even on my opener, I was a little off to the side and had to kind of walk it out to the side. So just, you know, making myself more balanced would also prevent something else from happening. Um, you know, another injury, but yes, in general, it was just weird. It was just, I felt, I just kind of got pinned, got stuck and got unlucky. Um, I would say that there probably is some fear in coming back just because it was, you know, a very traumatic experience. Um, and just, you know, it's also, it's it's also only been, it's been less than three weeks still. If for anyone who's watching, it's been less than three weeks. Um, so everything's still very fresh in my head, but, um, so I can imagine that there's going to be some hesitancy when coming back for the jerk, but at the same time, it's going to take a while to build back up anyways. And so I think just with like practicing on technique as I can only lift light weights is just going to, that's going to be the thing that helps me, uh, just not be scared when we actually get to those heavy weights again. How fast were you actually back in the gym? Um, let's see. 
it was exactly a week because I had surgery on Monday morning. I didn't get home till Thursday. And then I was in the gym again on Monday. Wow. Um, yeah. And I've only been going about once a week so far. Um, I've been doing, you know, more like home workouts, but for at least like the first two weeks, I was still like on a decent amount of meds and very nauseous. And so, um, I couldn't really handle like the hour in the car, um, every single day. So it was kind of one of those special occasion things where I would like go, um, and have fun. But now hopefully I'll start um, to go more often now that I'm starting to feel a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, I've been trying to do things. That's again, that's something that I think I learned from my last injury and something that I think, um, is part of the, one of the many reasons I'm grateful I got injured, which sounds terrible to say, um, for my back. But I think I was really scared for a few months before I really started acting on it. And before I made that decision to kind of, you know, rehab and get back. And thankfully, that's kind of where I, how I feel now. And so I have no problem just jumping right back in and doing anything I can possibly do. Because I know I'm going to rehab my leg. I know it's going to get better. I don't know when it will get better. Um, but I'm willing to put in all the time I need to to make sure that's as fast as possible. Um, and so I'm trying to maintain my upper body strength, <laughs> at least a little, while I can't walk. Um, and trying to do, you know, some activity on my left leg that's still healthy. Uh, but, you know, very slowly, very slowly working back into things, but just also trying to, you know, help help my body, help my mind kind of heal. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference. Like, you're back in the gym within a week and, and like, whatever you can do, you're doing. Yeah. I think that's r really good to hear. Because, I, I mean, some people would treat it as, like, okay, this is my chance to relax and I, you know, I can't yeah. do anything. I mean, I think it's hard too. Like if you're so wrapped up in something like this is what you've been doing for five, six years now to yeah. it's essentially taken away from you. You can't compete. You're not going to be able to do your best lifts for a really long time. So for some that might be, you know, okay, time to move on. Like, let me put all my effort into medical school or it can be in your case, like what can we do right now to get better? Yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It just, I've, and I, again, I think it's because I've already recovered from one pretty big injury that I know it is possible. So now I'm just trying to stay positive. Obviously there's like, you know, good and bad moments, but now I'm kind of just trying to play like a game in my head of like, all right, how fast can I get back? Like, <laughs> like I'm working with fantastic PTs um, my coach has been amazing. And so I have a great team behind me and they're helping me with anything that I need. Um, and so I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be back sooner than I think I really do. Um, it, it's, like, it's, it's been less than three weeks and my leg has made huge progress. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of see what happens. And I think, you know, for sure, there's gonna be some moments where I get frustrated and, where I get, you know, not patient and I, you know, want to lift now, but I do think it's going to be sooner than I think. So I'm excited to kind of see when I'll be able to step out onto the platform again. So you don't have a competition in mind like that you're trying to get back for? I think that AO finals would be too soon. Um, that, could, that is in December and it is July right now. I think it would be too soon. Um, however, I would not count out 
um, like AO1 next, like early spring. Uh, I think that that could be possible if, you know, there's no complications with my recovery. Um, I think that I could be training in December. I just don't think I'll be in competition shape by December. And I don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of money flying to, you know, not really compete, you know. So um, in my mind, AO1 is kind of what I'm shooting for. Um, yeah. We'll see. Obviously, like it is up to my body and how it heals. It is not just like up to arbitrarily deciding when I want to compete. But um, like I said, I think that I have the best possible people working with me, and I'm very grateful. And um, I think I'm taking this more from a like you know from a different approach than my other injury, and so therefore I don't think it's going to take a full year uh, to get me back. Um, I think I'm just going to have to do what I can every single day, and then just slowly, slowly get better. Going back to when you went to the Olympic trials in 2016, what what was your goal originally with weightlifting and how has it shifted over time? Honestly, I would say the goal is the same. It's like literally just to be as best as I can. Um, and obviously I would love to make world teams. So I'd love to make Pan Am teams, love to make an Olympic team. I think any athlete would. Um, but, you know, a lot of those things aren't in our control, especially like you don't even know if we don't even know if Olympic, you know, the Olympics is going to host weightlifting. Um, after 2024. So um, really just my goal has always been be the best that I can be um, and put as much time and effort and energy as I can into the sport and just really see what my body's capable of. Um, and I think that is always has always been the goal. And this is still the goal. Um, I just want to keep going and just see what I can do. Because I think I've surprised myself this past year um, in how much I progressed. And I would like to see, you know, how much I could progress in the next two years. Um, I think I could surprise myself again. So, uh, yeah, the goal is the same. That's great to hear. That's a really good mindset. I mean, if you get wrapped up in, like, you, I know you said you go into a meet with, I need to hit this certain total, but if you get so wrapped up in, in the totals and, you know, how training's going all the time, it's like, it's very hard to, to, like we talked about, not let that transfer over into everywhere else in life. If you kind of, I mean, I've been in that trap before where I kind of wrote down a total that I wanted to have and had it, you know, in the platform in the garage. And then when you don't hit that every day, it's almost like a failure. But if you kind of, if you think about yourself, like, hey, let's just see where I can end up in this sport, you'll probably end up way further than you think you can. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, don't get me wrong. Like I'm also, you know, human and I do have like, I do get frustrated and I do wonder you know why i'm not progressing maybe faster or why i'm not hitting certain numbers yet there's always numbers that i want to hit that you know if i don't hit like you said like i get frustrated and um when you care so much about one thing it obviously will leak into other parts of your life into your relationships and stuff like that but i think that's why it's important really just to reflect often on what what's the real goal here what are you doing are you happy like it's like if I'm doing everything that I can do every day to make myself better, and that's all I can do. Um, I can't force my body to lift more. It's just going to lift what it lifts. Um, so um, I've, it's easy to get kind of wrapped up in all of it, especially when you care so much about, about a sport. Um, and I, like I said, I, pri I usually prioritize weightlifting over everything. I care about it so much. I love it. I love being a part of it. Uh, and I want to get really, really good, <laughs> but yeah. So 
I, I am human. I have moments, but I do try to kind of focus on the big picture. Yeah. And for people listening, I mean, you had, you know, a really traumatic experience in the third attempt didn't go well, but you also were the 2022 national champ. So, yeah. So you did, you did have an amazing performance. It just didn't end probably in the way that you thought it would end. Yeah, it's so that's still so surreal because, like I said, like the goal was winning world. Well, not winning winning worlds. Of course, it's a goal. Uh, the goal was making it to worlds, uh, and so I really wasn't even thinking about winning. Um, like I knew that I would probably have to, but I just wasn't thinking about it. And so I had never really even pictured myself winning or what that would be like. And so I actually found out on the stretcher in the back. Um, as I was being like wheeled into the ambulance, my coach comes over like with tears in her eyes. She's like, so you won. <laughs> I was like, I just started crying. I was like, what's well, cool. Like I can't go get my medals, but I don't know if you saw, but my, uh, little sister was actually able to go accept my medals for me. Uh, so that was a really special moment as well. Um, so obviously if, if I couldn't go get them, I'm glad that she was able to, um, yeah, it's very, it's very surreal. That, that happened yeah that's awesome well congratulations again and uh where can people find you if they want to follow the recovery process uh my instagram is macy at macy win it's just my first and last first and last name um i also usually post on tiktok if anyone's on tiktok <laughs> um but yeah I've, I've i've been i've been trying to share stuff about my recovery i'm probably trying to you know going to try to share more as i um as i progress um but yeah it's going to be, it's going to be a slow journey, but it's going to be, you know, we're going to get there. So. Awesome, Macy. Well, thanks again for doing this. This was really fun. Yes, of course. Thank you.